We are Wrestling the Latest. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Alex Godlike Gibson and the man who oh, always yeah. has Honolulu Blues, Mr. Sean, same old Nash. Nash. Wow. <laughs> We are representing the NFC North tonight. One of our teams has a chance to be a wild card team. Not going to say which. Good for you. I applaud you. Happy for you. Alrighty. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate you listening to the show and subscribing. Um, If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review. You know, those things do help. Uh, We are building this podcast without any uh, marketing spend. So anytime that you share the podcast or give it a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you stream your podcast, that's going to help support us. So please share it with fellow wrestling fans as well. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And finally, visit the website at WrestlingElitist.com. That's where we'll have articles on uh, AEW's main weekly shows. And then just today, uh, Sean posted an article about going to GCW and Harpo's in downtown Detroit. And we're going to talk about that show later on in the show today. Right, Sean? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to first hit you guys with the news, our match and moments of the week, a little cringeworthy moments of the week. And what we're looking forward to along with, as you said, the GCW show and some other stuff that has hit the world of wrestling. Yeah, we do have a packed show today, so let's get into it. Let's go into what was the news of the week. Alex, let's start with you. Yeah, I think that there's obviously probably a, a little bit more dominating news of the week, but um, I'll let you guys talk about that with yours. But for me, it was right after we went off air, I think, last week we saw the news, or it was the next day we saw the news that Chris Jericho has signed a new deal with AEW. He's going to be... Um, with them for another three years after his contract expires in January. So it wasn't an extension so much as it's an actual new deal. He's going to be doing some producing as well and have some more backstage role. I think as we look at the all out fallout uh, from this past uh, summer, we saw some leadership step up with Mox, Danielson and Jericho. And now we're seeing Mox just got his new deal. Jericho just got his new deal and they're getting, you know, some higher level roles in the company. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that. I think they're people that they should be learning from. I've been in the middle of this Chris Jericho article I'm trying to write, and actually this news kind of changed the direction of what I'm writing. Uh, so I oh, kind of okay. had to edit and pivot a little bit because it it just changes what I what I kind of think is my goal to see him do over the next couple of years. And I, I wonder if this is going to be his last wrestling contract. But the way wrestlers work, probably not. I hope it is, though. I think he's been on a great tear over the last year in terms of his in-ring quality has been strong. His mic work's been strong. If I have any complaints about really his run in AEW, it's his inability to end a feud when he should. But, you know, I just I, I want to remember this Chris Jericho as his in-ring Jericho. So I'm hoping he can he can withstand another three years. But that was a, a positive another positive piece of news when AEW has been missing positivity over the last couple months really ever since the all out scrum yeah he certainly stepped up into that leadership void um granted yet you have to take everything with a grain of salt and i think jericho is someone who does share with uh alvarez and uh maltzer because of the relationship that he seems to have with them just by the frequency of him on their shows but it seems like all the news about him is good news and that you never hear anything about divish behavior or difficult to work with even though he is very opinionated um 
No, he's done a great run. I mean, this has been one of his career highlights. He's had a couple of really great runs in his career. Um, and this period is one of them. He's done a fantastic job and um, his matches are producing at a high level in 2022. And um, didn't see that happening. I think with some of the shenanigans with Dan Lambert's crew last year, he seemed to be running out of steam, but he's very rejuvenated this year. Picked it up for sure. Yeah, he's the perfect guy on that roster, the veteran status that he has to be that locker room leader that he's kind of stepped up to be after the fallout fallout. Good to have him for a little bit longer. Uh, I did see, I thought this was funny. I saw an article with him recently where he was talking about the weight loss that he had after that. Uh, what It wasn't an aneurysm that he had, but some sort of an issue that canceled the Fozzy European tour. And I just thought it was really funny that um, whatever it is he's doing now, it's like, it's like a male version of Jenny Craig. And he was, uh, he was like shitting all <laughs> over intermittent fasting. And he was like, I was doing that for years and it was never working. He's like, you're supposed to be able to eat whatever you want. And I just think that that's a really funny, uh, just, it's funny to think like a guy who's like a, been in a business like this for 30 plus years thought that like, if you just eat from 12 to eight, you could just eat Big Macs all day. And that was like the key behind intermittent fasting. As long as like it was the hours were right. And it didn't matter about he like he's like I didn't pay attention to what I ate because you weren't supposed to, and he's like now I do and that's why I lost weight. <laughs> it's just a, a great reminder uh-huh. that um, that sometimes it's just the basics you got to remember when it comes to weight loss. But he looks great. He's uh, he's he's just rejuvenated. I think even in his face, he you know there was a point I think about a year or so ago where he just looked like he was always hungover, and he looks yeah. much better. There was that moment where uh, he had the hair versus hair match with Ortiz. He's, he's totally losing the hair after there was that bald spot on his head showing on live TV. But yeah, overcame that. You haven't seen that ever since. And just for men or shoe polish, probably. He's the new Brett Michaels, you know? <laughs> Give him a rock of love uh, show and he's going to be on his way. Man, I'd fucking love off. to see that. He's, he's <laughs> Rock of Jericho. <laughs> Uh, actually I wouldn't, that'd be really awful. Anyways. Okay. Moving on. Sean, what was your news of the week? Uh, we were step in step with this, the hangman Adam page concussion and the, the response to it live on the air. It was pretty, just almost out of nowhere. just didn't really seem like that was supposed to be the end. And clearly it wasn't, uh, some, some uh, doctor visit go by and they stopped the match with what we've seen in the NFL and everything happening recently. I mean, not Monroe St. Brown gets taken off the field just from a, a pop to the ear. You, you got to be careful with these guys' lives. We can't just keep going on like we did in the previous years and just let people kind of deteriorate and mentally and physically by just getting concussion after concussion and not actually doing something about it. So good on the AEW staff for taking care of it right away and uh, best wishes. Truly a scary moment. You know, Sean, you were the only one watching live at the time and you texted the group and said, hey, you guys watching? And I, at that point, I ruined surprises for myself all the time. So I had to fast forward and see what was going on. Uh, Then kind of semi-spoiled it for Chris the next morning because I figured you had watched by that point. But um, that was scary. And I'm glad, I honestly am kind of glad I didn't watch it live because I had at first I had just looked on Twitter and like people had already said they saw him like give the thumbs up or something like that. So I, that was like the first thing I saw. That's terrifying. It's the thing that I worry about, like going to an AEW show or a GCW show, like WWE has a style that is very safe for the most part. 
you're rarely going to see someone get, you know, truly injured with like the exception of like a big E or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Him. Yeah. And other than that, you don't see it very often. And even that wasn't like a move that was terribly unsafe. And even the move that hangman got concussed on wasn't something crazy. I've always thought no. it was weird that guys do do that, like backflip off of a, getting hit with a lariat. Cause it doesn't seem super great to try to do a backflip from standing still position, but we've seen it a hundred times and it has never been an issue. I was just so happy to see that he's fine. But I, I my, my worry is always seeing that in person. Cause if I was at an yeah. event where somebody had a serious injury, I think it would probably ruin my ability to ever watch again. Was super happy to see that uh, he was, it was only a concussion, which concussions are still scary. It's not, I mean, using the word only probably isn't the right term there because that's still a scary thing to have happen. And we don't know what the long-term effects of it are, but with Mox's promo after when he said, hopefully he can walk and talk and hold his baby again, my mind instantly went to the the very worst. So yeah, yeah, me just, too. just happy to hear that Hangman's okay. Uh, hope he takes the right amount of time off. I'm very happy that AEW handled it a lot better than they did the Matt Hardy situation. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing, right? No one on the um, internet or no fan is being like, well, fuck them for stopping the match. Right. Yeah. That has not been, I have not heard that even by the most cynical fans or, you know, uh, stands of the other group. I mean, you're just not hearing that feedback whatsoever. Everyone's very happy for them that they stopped it and they were responsible and everyone gets it because we all watch UFC football concussions happen. They're scary. They're a real fucking deal. They're a real problem, but it happens and it's a believable way to stop something. And it doesn't take you, um, it doesn't make you think, oh, okay, well, I just can never watch this anymore. Or, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of Hangman yeah. anymore. Like, no, everyone mm-hmm. wants to see him wrestle again and he's going to come back a bigger baby face than he ever was just because it's a scary situation and people believe in him and want him to do well. Um, concussions are fucking scary. Uh, boy, oh boy. Like, God, the one concussion I had, I used to like think I was going to get like CTE from it, which I fucking won't. But I was yeah. so, you know, they're they're freaky. Like like people don't realize how awful a bad concussion really is. So um, hope he gets all the time he needs. And same with Adam Cole. Like he's still dealing with a, mm-hmm. with a concussion as well. These things are brutal. And um, it was a scary moment. Anytime you see the rings get lowered and they have to, it, like, that was scary. I'm glad they didn't shoot it, which is also a good thing, too. Like, the cameras yeah. weren't on it. They weren't making a spectacle of it. It's okay that they were bumping, going from Taz to Mox to Taz to whatever. That's fine because everyone understands it's a panicky, fucked up situation. They handled it so well, though, in the moment with the angle that followed afterwards, too. Like, you wouldn't have known that there was a potential catastrophe going on in the background. Everyone had cool heads about how they were handling it, which is also crazy and scary. But um, yeah, it it was, it was an ugly moment, but it could have been a lot uglier if there was incompetence by the organization to running it. And it seems like they know how to handle this now and there hasn't been the backlash. So good for them. Yeah. And credit to the uh, referee for recognizing immediately absolutely calling yeah. it doing a great job credit to mjf and mox obviously there was something planned for the end of that show anyways sure but their ability to pivot and still make it a part of the show in that moment and make it not seem awkward i chris how many times when one of us just even says like one word wrong in an intro do we just then we're 
we can't say a word for the rest of the fucking show. Uh, and for those guys <laughs> to handle that in that moment uh, with with what was just happening and the uncertainty of what had just happened to Hangman was uh, was pretty incredible to see. It, you forget that it is truly a live impro- improvisation at the end of the day when it comes to pro wrestling on television at least. It's crazy too how everyone has like there's only so many bumps you can take before something happens. You know, mm-hmm. like Adam Cole's thing was not a crazy situation. Um, Biggie's, yeah, it's a little risky to do an overhead suplex on the outside, but it's still something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big injuries happen. Or like Triple H Tyson is stepping. Kids. He just, he just stepped I- wrong. Yeah. The one that ruined Tyson Kidd's career was just a muscle buster by Joe that, and that's he's like, he didn't mess up on the drop. It was just, it was the last bump that he could take essentially. Yeah. It just happens. It's fucking scary, but I think that's the reality of it too. And I think that's why, um, Mox said what he said, you know, I don't think it was, he was trying to, um, be inappropriate or scare anyone, but it's just kind of the truth of like, yeah, you never know when it's going to be your last bump and you never know. Um, you, you know, you do put your life on the line. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let's go into what we thought was the match of the week. Alex, what were you, uh, what were you digging my friend? I like the opening match of dynamite. It was, uh, the death triangle versus uh, best friends and death triangle got the win. Uh, there's a reason that they were given the trios titles when the all out scrum post scrum happened and immediately stripped the elite of the titles. These guys are just, they're the best. I think trio right now. Uh, yeah. Working in AEW, I think it's been great to see them get to carry titles, especially because it felt like the Lucha Brothers didn't get a fully like the greatest tag run with the titles, even though they had the, probably one of the best matches in AEW history to win the tag titles. Uh, so seeing them get a chance to still shine, I like that the match started out really hot and then kind of slowed down because all three all three of those guys, Pac, Ray, and Penta, all tend to work really fast. So. At first, I was like, this is just going to be a fucking barn burner quick, you know, just, uh, you know, get in, get out fast pace. And they kind of slowed it down a little bit. Um, I think Trent is somebody who we've talked about on the podcast. He's like a Christian type where you kind of you kind of take him for granted because he's just there's nothing about him that like shines, but he's great in every match he has. Um, He's somebody who I think could have like a TNT title run. Love seeing uh, the pile drivers in, in the match. Um, just kind of the ending with uh, Orange Cassidy getting hit by that German suplex and then immediately coming back with an orange punch. Um, I, I enjoyed the overall match in itself. Um, thought that between those, between either of those teams, I would have been happy with either winning, but I'm glad to see uh, the Death Triangle pick up the win. I think if um, if I were to pick who would take the titles off of them, uh, best friends would be up there. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily need to see that quite yet, but um, I hope that they, you know, this isn't the last time we see that match. Yeah. I wonder who would be the challengers the next one. I mean, I'm assuming it is going to be the elite when they get reinstated if they I, do, but I, they would be, I would think that, or maybe a returning house of black. Oh God. Ooh, that'd be great. Cool. Want them back. Uh, this was also my match of the week too. I echo all your thoughts, Alex. Um, the one thing that surprised me about the finish was um, I thought that perhaps they would have Penta get the win just because his the buzz of that match, the bloody mask versus mask thing. I don't know. Maybe they thought that could just kind of uh, go with the momentum of that and 
because he's getting the match with Moxley this week. So I thought, eh, maybe they have him win. But anytime you get to see Ray Phoenix win, it's good too. <laughs> like that guy's also criminally underrated and really, really great. And um, who knows where they go with the Pac thing? Like maybe they do an angle where it's they have a triple threat match. I don't know. Or they do um, Ray Phoenix versus Pac. That'd be just as good as well. But it looks like they're going to do Eddie Kingston versus Pac uh, in the interim. So who knows? But uh, it was a very good match. Uh, Sean, what was your match of the week? My match comes from the aforementioned GCW show I went to, Drop Dead at Harpo's. Um, Nick Wayne defeated ASF. I can't remember what those stood for. Commander and Gringo Loco. Fantastic match. Just a Lucha Libre spot fest. Um, never heard of two of these people, uh, ASF and Commander. Commander was a fantastic luchador masterclass and walking the ropes from side to side back like one after another uh action came out right into the the seats we were kind of stuck in the fourth row perfect spot for it all just to see it coming right at us nick wayne is just a treasure uh i can't wait till he's finally of age and can be uh just showcased on the the prime prime uh properties of wrestling and it's just, it was fun. It was G- GCW really gets you, get your blood going. And it was just great to be around. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone that didn't know, uh, Sean attended the GCW show. The review is up on wrestling Um, okay. So how did your family, uh, oh. react to some of like the light bulb shit and like maybe having to wear a mask to cover yourself from the debris. The amount of conversation that we had on the drive home because I-75 is also shut down. So we're taking surface dr- uh, roads. Oh, good. was just about how much deadly toxins we've all been breathing in and <laughs> like how much longer we have to live. But uh, I think they, I think they enjoyed it overall. It was fun. There's no way you can deny that it was just fun just flying out at you the amount of what the fucks and wows coming from them just perfect i i hope i hope they enjoyed themselves i mean you can't not but it was definitely jarring for them to see someone (laughs) try and carve someone's head open with a broken light tube sean did you uh witness friend of the show scott getting hit on the backswing with a uh, chair shot no but we were all in the same section it uh my uh, friend of the show, Scott, friend of the show, Bird, we're all on the same same side of the ring, dealing with the same shit. I, it was a war zone over there. It, once they uh, that second, <laughs> last match got started, everyone just threw their chairs down and shit was flying. The tables everywhere. I can't believe like the whole section didn't get covered in blood where we were at. Holy shit! It was it was nuts for for just kind of a low key card sounding GCW show, but they, they really put on the, the last door ladder chair match wasn't insane. Just, and the action came right in our lap. It was, was so, this the best GCW show you went to? Um, I mean, blood sport was, I mean, I think top just because I, I love that kind of yeah different, different, uh, spectrum in the wrestling world. But, uh, I don't know. Like traditional GCW show. Yeah. Um, uh, that's tough. The names of the last show were so much better. I mean, Briscoes were there against Second Gear Crew. Uh, Dirty Daddy was there, Minoru Suzuki. But uh, this definitely was just like a quick, easy show. I think maybe it was just because it felt so quick. There was match after match. The first three were just pretty spot fest, quick matches. And then we got into the bloody gut shit. And it was kind of fun just uh, experiencing all that with my, my family. 
It's very weird to, to do. Did it end up filling up? I know you said like right like 10 minutes before the showtime, it, you said it wasn't super packed. Uh, it was definitely less than the previous Harpo show, but uh, okay. it filled up a little, like the, all the seats filled up. But um, I, maybe everyone knew that that's just Lauderdale fashion to run late but uh, and showed up late. But um, the last time, like the whole standing room section was kind of packed with people and people were spilling out on all the sides. Uh, at this time, just kind of a two-person standing room area. All right. Well, for the for for the people who uh, listen to the show that aren't Detroit natives, describe Harpo's just so they have uh-huh. an idea of what the venue was like itself. It's just it was once a disco um, discotheque. I don't know what you'd call it, like a discotheque. Got, still got the disco floor. Uh, then it oh no shit! Into, yeah, then it turned into a. Uh, a heavy metal venue. U2 played there. A ton of ton of prominent uh, people have like came and went there. But oh. It uh, it's decaying. It's awful. It, there's a cash bar up front, but then and cash bars on the side, and there's one single credit bar. So test your luck, <laughs> find it out. Uh, but the pit's made of solid wood. It's it's hard. The stage is just that. Um, there's huge speakers just kind of dangling in the air that you really can't trust that those are going to stay up there, but it just kind of that, uh, it breathes Detroit. It's a, a perfect place for GCW in Detroit and it keeps me coming back. Punk rock place. Okay. Well, last yeah. question about GCW. Um, was there any wrestlers that, um, you want to give a platform to that you were like, Hey, I, you know, I never heard of this guy before, but he did awesome. Or this guy's going to be a future star. Uh, I've heard of him before just because the last GCW show, but gringo loco, just is the perfect heel for me that he oozes this little machismo that's just maybe unwarranted. He's white with dreadlocks, or yeah, dreadlocks. And he's just perfect. The, his, whatever you call it, his outfit, his spandex, perfect. Come to the ring with just, GCW doesn't give a fuck about any kind of music licensing. So the music choices are just <laughs> spot on for these wrestlers. And it's just, it makes it so much better that, and you wouldn't ex- he's kind of chubby you wouldn't expect him to be a high flyer but there he is flying out in the ring with the other uh, luchadors it's it's perfect and a name like gringo loco is just pretty pretty cool hopefully he drinks four loco too um you, you gotta think if, yeah <laughs> look him up, he, he probably will. He, that's like uh that's what he was born in like the ninja turtles with their ooze <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> this is origin story Alrighty. Well, speaking of good shit, let's get into our moment of the week. Alex, what was yours? You guys know it. The M and MJF stands for moment of the week. Once yeah. again, his promo with Regal and then tying in the end as well. Just absolutely perfect. Uh, I, he actually tweeted out. He's like, this is the hundredth time people have said this is MJF's best promo of his life. Yeah. And then he's, and then I think he said something like, these aren't promos. This is just me telling the truth. I love the way that MJF is able to weave, you know, true stories into his, um, into his promos and into like his feuds and everything like that, because he was such a passionate fan and passionate about becoming a pro wrestler. He's not somebody, and this isn't even a knock, but he's not somebody who got recruited after not making it in the NFL or something like that. Like this is what he's wanted to do since he was 18 years old. So he's, he's probably actually does have some legitimate, times where he felt snubbed by his favorites when he was early on and thought that he was as good as he is today. And I thought just 
first of all, Regal's just smile the whole time, like almost like hearing about how sad MJF was. He it made Regal happier. And mm-hmm. uh, then Regal's retort and just kind of saying, like, I wanted to challenge you. And I, you know, if, if if things didn't go that way, you wouldn't be the performer you are today and everything about that. And then Max coming out at the end and saying, you know, I'm not going to cash this in on you in a cheap way. I, for once in my sad life, I'm going to earn something. I loved that. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, but I, I'm interested in seeing where that goes. Does he actually? Yeah. Does he actually try to earn it or is he just going to say that and then he's going to end up kicking mocks in the balls and rolling him up at some point in the match at full gear? But I thought it was perfect. And I think they did a good job of just letting us know what the match is at full gear already instead of yes. waiting until the week before Tony looks like he might have maybe learned a little bit of something there because even if it's the implied main event, just tell us, start the build in a in a true yeah, a, way. Yeah they had to correct it and they had to do the opposite of that and put a main event out their way in advance. So I think that was a smart choice to do. Now, this was also my moment of the week. I thought again, this is one of the better promos that he's ever done. One of the best promos of all time, uh, multi-layered. Um, there's so many different perspectives that one would have towards us. It's sort of like MJF is kind of like Holden Caulfield, depending on your generation, you either think he's a whiny little bitch or you think there's something to what he's saying and you do identify him as like a victim or a person that was um, stymied by the system. He kind of, uh, depending on your, what's up? Can I turn the ride? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Let's make sure. Yeah, he kind of just has the same tone. Like from Regal's perspective, he is a victim. He is a whiny little bitch. He's uh, all or nothing and overdoing it. And Regal got the shit kicked by grown ass men like that's such a good that's that's of course that's how he would see it and i love the fact that regal's so stone-faced throughout the whole thing and he's just leaning in and smiling especially when he gets the part about killing himself he just has a huge grin on his face and it's because he wants to one doesn't think that mjf um has this killer instinct in him perhaps or two like you don't even know what you're talking about because you haven't had to go through real hard shit like i do um, so he, there is a part of him that does want to see him be evil perhaps because he likes being evil, but there's another part of him that doesn't respect MJF. Um, so he's okay. Um, uh, with seeing him as a non-threat in this moment, but wants him to give Mox the best match too. There's so many layers to it. I liked how you could, depending on how you view this and what you bring into it, your perspective, uh, you're going to get a different outcome. That's pretty rare for a promo, where it's a, um, what the fuck do you call those? Not a Venn diagram, but a, the ink splot thing. You know, whatever the fuck. I'm trying to. Uh, you know, comes? that thing. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's how you, it's your perspective. You but yeah, um, I loved how there's a lot of fans that are like, oh, this is a baby fake. Yeah, there you go. Every, a lot of fans thought he was, it was a face promo. A lot of fans thought it was a heel promo. We don't know what's going to happen until full gear, and that's what works. Yeah, it's uh, the pissed off score and MJF kind of just delivering his manifesto to the man who pulled this promise away from him. Just felt like a low budget or low grade Batman villain giving off his his bad comeuppance to the guy who did it to him before he could kill him. Regal staring at him, laughing the whole time, knows he's not going to do it, knows he's not the devil that he wants to be or says that he is and giving him the opportunity left him there in the ring to to sulk and sulk more about his his slights that he's been given but fuck him i mean regal's lived a harder life and he's not gonna 
put up with your pity party. It's perfect. The one thing I was thinking of too, and this is, uh, I, I'm trying to write an article about this promo, um, and I'm in creative purgatory right now or hell trying to figure things out. But one of the things that I was thinking of is like, this is better art than most art. Like his promos are better than most movies and most plays, one man shows, whatever the hell. Like imagine if this was what the Riddler talked to Batman about when they were in jail in the new Batman. Like I would have liked that explanation so much more than what we saw in that movie. I mean, it's a false equivalency. Sure. But it's like, God, this was, this is such a good, rich, deep storyline with layers and pathos that are uh, relatable, but also not relatable too. And that's well, what makes, he, I think MJF such a compelling character. He's all or nothing. So extremely, where there's people who really do think like that and behave like that. And if you're of that generation, you kind of act like that. But then there's other people that go like, what the fuck? You're flipping out about nothing. Yeah. The best, the best villains have a bit of like, they're kind of in the right in some form. Yeah, but they oh, just yeah. take it too yeah. far. Like, yeah. you know, you see all the all the villains who they're like, oh, I, I lost my kids. And, you know, the, even the Punisher, right? Like, I know he was kind of like a, he's still like a hero, anti-hero type of a thing. But anti-hero. those are the yeah, most intriguing characters when they have something that you're, what, what was that? A tweener. <laughs> yeah, he was a tweener. Uh, you know, like those are the best, most relatable, you know, villains because you actually understand where they're coming from, but not their means of the way that they do it. I love this shit. This was an all-time great promo, and I can't wait to see what they do with it. But all right, Sean, what was your moment of the week? That was my moment of the week, but uh, I would be remiss if Alex <laughs> didn't say he was going to change his moment to the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I thought hey, that was hey, you hey, that hey, said hey. that was you. Sean, you just gave it away. I had a whole setup for it. Oh. Now it's uh-huh. ruined. So, you know, it's not even my moment anymore. Uh, Yeah, that was my mistake. I copied my old. uh, (laughs) But yeah, we've got we've got a lot of movements going on in the world right now. We've got free Britney. (laughs) We've got people talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer series. But what's taking over pop culture the most? Scissoring, baby. That's what we're doing. And uh, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, celebrated as they uh, made their way to the World Series this past weekend. Now the uh, they scissored in the dugout. I think there's people that listen to this podcast that deny the popularity of scissoring, that deny that it is uh, the movement it is, but it's made its way to America's pastime. And pretty soon it's going to be itself. Scissoring will be America's pastime. I can see it. I live for that day. It hasn't been a touchdown celebration in the NFL yet, but it's oh, going to be. Wait. It's only a matter of time. And it's going to be a 15-yard penalty. Uh, I can't wait till uh, fucking they do that at uh, Thanksgiving, Sean. <laughs> if the Lions win and they Josh Allen scores seven touchdowns in that game yeah, and is scissoring everyone. You know what? That's fine. I'll tear off my my Lions gear and, and celebrate that. Uh, All righty. Well, let's get negative here. Let's go. I know what our cringes of the week were. I'll keep mine quick. We talk a lot of shit about other wrestling websites and uh, journalists, <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll be brief here. I just I came across some clickbait uh, like Facebook ads or something like that this weekend, uh, and I just feel like there's so many wrestling sites that just they do no real analysis. They don't write any actual thoughts. They write headlines that they know are not you know 
that they're they're just purposely misleading or they, just because they want the click so fucking bad. And honestly, I know we've talked about it. Like, obviously, we want to make we want to grow our our show. We want to grow our website. We want to make money mm-hmm. off of this. But if if my life was reduced to writing fucking clickbait headlines about MJF and his girlfriend getting in a fight and her trolling him when it was clearly her joking, I would ra- I would rather just go. I don't know. I'd rather go become an accountant with Sean, uh, or you know, what just the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd rather do. I'd rather. I'd rather not pursue my passion <laughs> if my passion required me to just write clickbait articles about stupid fucking tweets all day long. So that's my cringe. Well, it's that's not a, a bad one. A punishable life sentence you can put to be an accountant with me. <laughs> uh, but ah, we want clicks. We want clicks. Be a recruiter. We're Welcome the, to hell. Uh, the right way. The the honest way. The our way. Uh, mine. I'll keep it <laughs> keep it short too. Uh, I've seen posts probably from these same dickheads who Alex is talking about about uh, the Athena Jody threat match that was on AEW Dark. It was like a five minute match. I watched it quickly because people were talking about it. It, there were some stiff shots, but uh, people were kind of um, throwing throwing uh, accusations at Athena for just taking it way too far. I mean, it looked a little stiff, but it was nothing awful. It's nothing close to what I would, would deem awful, like Thunder Rosa sandbagging. Just kind of just made the, the match look good. It seemed like Jody Threat was kind of somehow getting the, the face reaction from the crowd. So it kind of worked perfectly. And I kind of liked seeing that side of Athena. It worked and it just seemed like people were getting on their high horse for something that they saw in a women's match that might have been a little offensive to their eyes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely yeah, the, stood out a little bit, but it was, I'm sorry. I was, I was just going to say the, the worst part about the internet is that it gives everybody a voice and granted, yeah, it gives us a fucking voice too. Right. But like, we're also not the people that are just always looking to be outraged about something. Those two, they they even said that the uh, producers went up to them after the match and both of them were happy with how it went. Jody Threat was getting a face reaction because she was a hometown wrestler. And so they pivoted mid-match and it was fine. And and even if you watch, I saw somebody like break down a little bit of it. They like brought it into half speed. If you watch it, Athena was being stiff, but she wasn't being unsafe with it. So like, let it go. People, people break, make, go out of their way to make everything, uh, you know, some sort of a, a crisis. Yeah. My thoughts. Exactly. I think, um, it was very, uh, it was in the gray of like, okay, was that over the line? It sure didn't seem like it, but yeah, I think, uh, Jody threat was also happy with how everything went apparently and was, uh, called it a dream come true. So what does that tell you? All righty. Uh, this match I didn't really I wasn't a big fan of uh Jericho and Castle. It definitely got better as the match progressed, but boy, oh boy, was there some silly shit on the outside. Uh the boys and uh our favorite wrestler of all time, the gorilla's oh, no. frontman himself, Jake Hager. Uh they they just were throwing the most phony looking fake shots at the camera was it captured and it was like, oh my God, this is when they should do a thousand cuts like WWE and just like not show that it was just embarrassingly bad. And then just the, um, the whole idea too, of like, I, I, I put this in the article on the website, but why wouldn't Dalton castle be in the JAS mm-hmm. to begin with? He's the most sports entertainer wrestler there is like, why didn't like they should yep. be buddies. 
Yeah, no, I was going to cite that. That was I when when I saw you write that, I hadn't thought of that, and then I saw you write that in the article on wrestlingleaders.com and thank you. Immediately was was like, yeah, that's a hundred percent. That makes zero sense. That basically Jer- Jericho's current character cranked up to a thousand would is Dalton Castle. Oh yeah. And I hope that's like, if he's the best, if Dalton Castle is the best representative of like a real wrestler's wrestler, like who the hell's left on the, you know, in the still left for the ROH angle. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to end with Joe, but I hope to God it's not Nigel McGinnis. That's going to be like thinking about concussions and health issues and stuff like that. Like that's probably not going to go over too well, even though he claims he's medically cleared. I think that's going to make a lot of people nervous if that's the case. Um, I'm assuming this goes with Joe. But, you know, we'll talk about ROH later on in the show. Let's get to some other things, though, um, that we need to talk about. So we're anticipating a lot of good shit for next week. Uh, It looks like it's going to be a good card for Dynamite. Alex, what are you most excited for? Tag Team Wrestling, baby. FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory. We're finally getting FTR acknowledged on on, uh, AWTV again and getting some (laughs) matches. And it sounds like working their way towards the titles. Uh, very excited to see that. I'm not excited to see the acclaim drop the titles quite yet, but uh, just definitely that match is going to fucking go. Like that's going to just be so good. I think you know FTR obviously best tag team in AEW. Swerving our glory, uh, an above average tag team, but two excellent solo workers. I every time I get to see those two on TV, I'm happy. Like that's the only reason I'm happy they're in a tag team is because it means that. We get to see them together, yeah, right? Like, yeah, they are both. They're probably two to me after FTR signing the two uh, biggest surprises from an AEW WWE guy signing. Not that I thought that Keith Lee wasn't going to be good, but he's just been even more enjoyable. Same thing with Swerve. I, we loved Swerve even before, you know, back when he was in Evolve. But he's just be, he's gotten his character down a lot more. He understands who he is uh, over the last few years, and I'm just really looking forward to these two slugging it out i'm looking forward to that too um it's gonna be a great match there's a perfect story for swerving our glory to uh the breakup to finally happen and i'm I'm here for it i'm ready to watch it all and i'm excited yeah i'm excited to see what fdr can pull out of them i mean i think swerving our glory is a great tag team themselves um and they're a good styles clash. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're not a, they're not a perfect match where it's like, okay, they're exactly similar to FTR where sometimes it's almost too perfect. These guys are different body sizes. They're different types of wrestlers. I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, matchup and clash. And I think the crowd's going to be very into FTR and it's going to make for an exciting environment. Um, I'm most excited for Moxley and Penta though. I don't think they've wrestled before or if they do, it just completely escapes me. So I'm excited to see what they do together. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it'll be a very good match. I like Penta's work a lot. Um, Moxley is enjoying a great run right now as champion. Um, it's kind of funny. Like I think if hangman had this run of like having a match all the time, I think we'd be talking about him in a different light. His, uh, you know, championship brain wasn't as, 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 uh, illustrious as, uh, Moxley's has been. So, uh, it's been a great run so far. I've loved what he's done this year. And I think he's also just a great contender for a wrestler of the year with Dax. I think those guys are two one A and one B, you know, in terms of who's had mm-hmm. the best, most impactful year. 
Um, so we'll see if this is another one that he can notch under his belt. Um, okay, cool. So we got a lot of other shit that's going on in the wrestling world. And then we had a question that we wanted to go up on the, to, uh, discuss on the show as well. So let's go to the other big news story of the week. This is rumor. This isn't fact, but their sources are saying that CM Punk, uh, is possibly going to have his contract bought out. Um, what are your thoughts on this? It's the best course of action. Yeah. Can't have him back. I, my biggest thing is, is all the rumors are that the hang up right now is a non-compete. Let him go to WWE. He'll burn the bridge within a year anyways. And really, I think, I think that he, you know, with, with the way that things went with AEW, you know, I talked about it in, in text message with you guys. He's kind of proven that a lot of what he said in the Colt Cabana podcast probably wasn't true. It was, you know, the, it was with CM Punk colored glasses on. And because of that, I think a lot of WWE guys are probably not going to necessarily want him in their locker room either, especially if he thinks he's this leader that can tell everybody what to do or thinks that he's a businessman when clearly he has uh, no idea of how to properly uh, run the show if he thought that the all out post meet scrum was the way to go about business. So nailed it. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not shocked. Uh, and, and honestly, I hope I hope he gets bought out. Let him go to WWE. Let him go wherever the fuck he wants. Let him go away. Like it sucks that he a year ago he was this mythical, you know, story in wrestling, and now it's just I don't even ever want to hear cult of personality again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that also right. answers your question that you kind of sent us that we were going to talk about, yeah. <laughs> at least my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. One of the questions I was going to ask. So what do you think this does to his legacy if he joins WWE? Like if he goes there, um, what do we think of him? I don't think it changes anything because to me, like the legacy is already ruined. I, I you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's clear that he just is a, a person that refuses to actually be happy in life. And anytime he has yeah, something going sad. well, he has to ruin it. I would love, love to hear what it's like being married to him though. Uh, from AJ Lee. Ooh, that's stiff. Oh, shit, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go that ham. I don't but, think uh, he's ever gonna be a guest on the show now. <laughs> yeah, the way to go, oh, man. Sure. Jesus. Thanks. We're not gonna be able to be a ghostwriter for his book now. Thanks a lot, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dream. I was doing this website in hopes to write the CM Punk ghost story. Uh well, you can no, still so, write uh the downfall of CM Punk. Yeah. No, it's demise. just sad though, because like if you think like I mean, wrestlers really buy into their character and they buy into the representation of their character on you know, in the ring and then backstage and da, da 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 And like, man, you'd think like everything was to his satisfaction. Like the way he was portrayed was perfect. He got to have such great moments and to think he's still seething, not just yeah. depressed or upset, but just seething with anger and resentment. It's like, Christ, what would make this guy happy? And you just like, it's a poor guy. Cause uh, you know, one of the things that was great is when he came back, it's like, oh, finally, this guy fought, found some inner peace and is happy. And it turns out that's not the case whatsoever. Um, and to think, too, that this whole thing started off because he was called a hypocrite. Imagine what he would feel like if he went to WWE, that pressure of feeling yeah. hypocritical and being two faced or not a man of his word. Like it would just make his existence even worse, perhaps, if that's believed to be true. So. Uh, it's just a sad story, and I, 
I hope there's more insights we get out of this, but everyone's being so closed lipped and uh, which makes sense because of the legal uh, precedent behind it. But it's just a very sad situation. And without hearing from him, you don't know what the truth is. And I think now when he talks, you might not believe the truth either. Yeah. And I think what out of the news about the contract buyout, I, what I found to be the most interesting or telling was the news that Tony Khan really doesn't see a whole lot of value in the elite. It sounds like either that oh. surprised me or, you know, that basically if, if punk had been drawing, like they thought he might have like, which he definitely, from everything I've seen, he definitely increased sales, increased pay-per-view buys and, you know, ticket yeah. sales, all of that stuff. Like, but he didn't move the needle as much as they were hoping. And essentially if he was moving it to that amount, they would have had no problem letting the elite go from what the report that Wade Keller put out was. And yeah. to me, that's just so interesting because, you know, maybe I'm just in a small pocket of the internet when I see this stuff, but I've seen a lot of people who have basically expressed that if the elite were to go, then they're probably going to leave AEW too as a fan, which I don't know why you feel like you have to choose one or the other, but <laughs> the, the point of the matter is I, it's weird to me because it, Cody leaving AEW was weird, but the elite leaving AEW would really, I would almost feel like you have to change the name. Like it's weird to keep the name AEW at that point. All Tony yeah. wrestling. It's <laughs> right off the tongue. I honestly thought that they were going to call the WWE when they renamed it to like the McMahon wrestling federation or something. I was so convinced. Uh, I was like, Oh, that could happen. Or like, Sports Entertainment Federation. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Really, really, really I mean, really yeah, or like just like some because what did he call the bodybuilding company? Like Oprah? WBF. WBF. Yeah. Like almost like some, like just call it like basically like WBF Entertainment or something like that or, or like World something Superstar like stupid, like where he's like trying to tie it to that and so that he could say that WBF was still a success. Uh, surprised he hasn't come back with that yet. He's still got time though. Oh boy. Okay. So we got some other things we want to fire through. Um, Sean boy, what are your thoughts on another ROH pay-per-view and the rumors of a streaming deal looming? You excited about more ROH? Um, if it gets it off AEW television, <laughs> I feel like it's just cluttered up AEW too much, but uh, it'll yeah. be exciting. It's what it's, gonna what is it death before dishonor is that what's happening or final uh, battle final battle, battle, final yeah. battle. it's at the end of the year that makes sense um it should be fun but uh we'll see what they what they have on it i don't really want to go splurging for another premium live event pay-per-view that doesn't really wet my whistle i i share a similar sentiment as you in terms of i mean at least it gets hopefully it gets ROH off of AEW TV if there is a streaming deal that comes with it and them, you know, doing more pay-per-views and actually having a weekly show. But my question really is what's the differentiator? What's different between ROH and AEW? Yeah. You have you have basically the equal same the same titles, you have the same wrestlers. I it just feels like it's gonna be too much of the same thing. If you're gonna do one or the other, if you're gonna do them both, I think one needs to have something that's different about it. Otherwise I don't see ROH lasting, especially if it's going to be a taped show. I, I don't need any more. 
I don't watch AEW Dark. I don't watch Elevation. I barely like I skim through Rampage at this point. Make it different or don't do it. But I yeah. will say I'm happy for our friends in Dallas uh, that they will not have to go all the way to Arlington for the show. They or they will just <laughs> it'll be in Arlington. They won't have to go all the way to Garland um, because it is not fun to drive across uh, Dallas at that time. All righty. So this has nothing to do with anything. I just want to make fun of JBL because of his pants. Those were fucking oh hilarious looking. Yeah, there's no comment. There's no other insight, but just he looked like a fucking goof and you couldn't uh, find another person to laugh at that deserves it more. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Incredible that he can be that wealthy and have that many suits and just have ones that look bad on him. Yeah, it was great. It reminded, um, oh, I was going to say it reminded me of like back when you used to watch like uh, athletes in like the early 2000s. Like remember when the NBA like started to force players to wear suits when they showed up to the to the arena and like they would just mm-hmm. like wear like oversized suits that like like it just didn't really look like a it still didn't look like a business suit that's kind of how AJBL looked yeah someone tweeted like an image of nathan fielder when he had like the big suit on too it's just like <laughs> was so bad dying laughing <laughs> uh jbl i'm sure it's gonna get baron corbin way over Glad that he's still on television. He didn't come out in something that was looking much better than that suit either. Bad wardrobe choice too. Yeah, he's he's something. Okay, and then have you guys watched uh, any of the Vice Tales from the Territories? Hell yeah! I watched the first one. The I watched the Memphis Memphis. one. Oh god, that was that was fun. Andy Kaufman was real son of a bitch. I love how none of them are telling the truth at any point. <laughs> Every Monday night, we was drawing 15,000 people. 10,000 of them had sawn off shotguns that were loaded and aimed at us. Just like, shut the fuck up. None Honestly, of what you're saying is true. <laughs> watching watching it, all I could think of is, remember the story from the uh, Honky Tonk Man shoot where he's like, it's going to be a big battle royale in hell or something like that when yeah. they all die. That's all I could think about. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. Just all of them are liars. And then you have the greatest one of all time. Uh, Gagne West. That's what I want to call. Him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's just like, he's just as, he's just as adorable as Gagne. Just impossible to be just a rational human being and just a complete liar. Greg Gagne. Uh, I love nothing. Gagne. He says is true. That whole story of, Butcher Vashad, have you guys watched the AWA version where one yet? Yeah, yeah. Not yet. That whole st- okay. But anyways, he tells a story of like Butcher Vashan. He's like, so he was doing 15 lines of Coke. He drank two kegs of beer. He came <laughs> just like all the shit. Gave him quaaludes on the plane. Gave, gave him, him a joint to calm him down. He literally, oh. not figuratively, fucked a nuclear weapon. Like, just like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh. Just these guys can't tell the truth i just love how it's in, they're incapable of not exaggerating everything that they say even they're always working yeah Tara was like oh i didn't throw that boulder through the, the mcdonald's window some 18 year old kid who just got fired bullshit <sighs> you fucking world's strongest man of course you threw the even the other people wouldn't let that slip like, we all know it does make me want the rock to run for president because i love the idea of him filling out the cabinet with all those guys <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Oh yeah, Jeff Jarrett would have some job. 
like that would probably happen. He'd be like the, the, the working on the fucking energy grid or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, good shit. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up with a question that we got, uh, from, uh, a good fan of the show. So he asked, assuming MJF is successful at full gear and doesn't go the way of Roddy Piper. How long do you think MJF will hold the title and who do you think will be the one to beat him? Sean, let's start with you, bud. Um, well, I don't, I hate to take, I think credit from Alex who said in the text, Wardlow seemed like the perfect person to eventually take the title yeah. when, when he does, cause he definitely should, he shouldn't go the way of uh, Roddy Piper and not have a championship run. That would just be unjust. Uh, Jack Perry, like that's what he'll be by then, or Wardlow kind of just seem like the perfect people to uh, to do that. Uh, that was not me that you were stealing the thunder from. I believe that would have been Chris. Um, oh, sorry, Chris. I so I do think he will win it, <laughs> and I will also say that uh, I, as much as I fucking hate the idea of them doing this, they're gonna they're gonna run it till his you know contract expiration date essentially. Yeah. Because they're gonna want to tease that of is he gonna they're gonna do basically is Punk leaving at uh, Money in the Bank type of thing you know that show that Chris missed um, that's kind of yeah, the same that idea <laughs> and so I I assume that that's probably gonna be the route that they go is let him have it for a year I really would love to see uh, a man who all of a sudden is not on TV anymore but Ricky Starks because from a promo standpoint they can go toe to toe with each other. I think Ricky Starks has a lot of potential as a baby face if they actually give him a good run. And I think that to me, he's one of the pillars that um, kind of is in the next in wait to be a pillar. Essentially, he's not quite there yet because they haven't showcased him enough. And he had that that neck injury. But that would be my choice. Wardlow would not be a bad choice either. Um, But I just I think from a star potential standpoint, Ricky Starks is the guy for me. And if you have, to, if you're going to have somebody go over MJF, you want it to be somebody that gets elevated. I don't think a Mox or a Danielson or a Jericho going over him does anything for those guys. Right. So let's make it another young star that we can build. Yeah. I'm assuming that he wins too. I'm assuming that he wins as a baby face because they've been, he's been getting these great responses and I think they're going to pivot accordingly um, and they're going to give it a try. And then I think the smart move is once, it's not cool to love him anymore. Then he's going to get bitter and become a heel. And then they'll do the angle of 2024, which I believe he's resigned anyway. So whatever. But um, yeah, I think Wardlow, you know, kind of completes the circle or if you will, of their start together. I could also see Darby perhaps being a dark horse too, because he's Mr. AEW as well. Sammy, I know that's going to scare the shit out of everyone, but that could also be a thing. And then the one I'd like to see as like a really fucking dark horse would be Hook. Like how fucking cool would that be? We are all hookers after all. (laughs) I would love to see Hook win it. I'd actually love to see Hook be the main guy in Ring of Honor. Like if they're going to make that like an NXT thing, do that. I would love to hear Taz on the call for Hook getting a main title. Oh my God, that'd be great. Wait, you're saying the FTW title's not a main title? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> How I'll dare you just smart title? In the world. I'll cut that. Yeah, please, please cut that out of the show. My God, we can't have that going out to uh, all of our fans. 
Well, all of our fans, we want to thank you for listening today. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, again, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. I know that seems kind of trite, but it does help the show. Uh, also, if you want to ask a, sh- a question for the show itself, put that in the comment section as well, and we'll bring it on to the next episode, or you can email us. Our email addresses are on the website as well at wrestlingelitist.com. If you like the show at all, please share it with your friends. Uh, that are wrestling fans to help us organically build our platform. Please follow us at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And then keep visiting WrestlingElitist.com this week. I think Alex and I are both individual. I think we're both like in the whole like eight articles at this point. <laughs> like I'm so fucking behind it. I know you kind of are yeah, too. Thank God. So we have a lot of stuff we want to put score. on there. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of shit to put on the website. Uh, as well so we're going to have a lot of content that's coming out we're getting into survivor series uh season i always love survivor series even though it's not really a good show i just have a weird fondness for it so i'm excited for that we got michigan and michigan state this weekend ohio state's going to beat penn state lines are going to lose again i would just like to say too um, you. if you you know <laughs> we are coming up on the we are coming up on the holidays uh and if you are a fan and you're not sharing the show with friends, the least you could do is take your family's phone, leave us a five-star review on there, you know, without their permission. That's, that's great. Fine, too. That's good. Yeah, that's a wonderful idea. Nice. And then download that U2 album again, just for free, just to fuck with them. All righty. Well, thank you. We appreciate your support. Rick rude. Close us out. Hit the music.